Hey, this is Mark Patton, and you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. And whatever you do, don't go to sleep. Station of Decapitation Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Trista. And we're joined by the Boulet Brothers. It's very cool to have you here. Thank you both for having Thank us. For we're having very us. excited to be here. Yeah. So season four of Dragula premieres on Shudder tomorrow as we record this on the 19th. Right. Yes. Yeah. It, um, so I got to see the first episode and I love the opening. It's very creative. It's almost like a short movie, like all every, every season. How much yeah. like uh, time goes into to making just the the opening? Uh, a lot. I mean, it, it honestly takes a couple of weeks to make an episode. Um, it, it's very non-traditional for reality TV because typically you just sort of film your reality portions and it's really fast and furious and then we're done. But because of the scripted parts, it takes us a lot longer to make each episode. I want to chime in, though, and also say that, you know, those scripted areas, those mini shorts at the beginning and also, um, you know, the kill scenes at the end. These are the parts of show that the show that we absolutely love, like we pour ourselves into the creativity. So it is a labor of love. Was that a real like haunt that you uh, filmed the um, the prison scene in? Like, is it a place you can go visit? Well, it's not exactly. No, (laughs) it looked like it looked like they were professional, you know, haunts. Yeah, it is, but it's uh, it's sort of customized. I'll put it that way. <laughs> right. So, what's the application and like selection process like to to get on uh, Dragula? So we usually open auditions, you know, uh, four months, I think, before we we start filming. And um, there's a whole application process that people have to go through. They have to record a video with all kinds of requirements and then, you know, pass different tests and things like that. It's pretty. It's a pretty exhaustive process. How many applications are you, I assume it go, it gets bigger each year. So like for, from the first year to the fourth year, how many more people applied? Oh, I, I'd have to say like just percentage wise, it's probably like, I mean, the, uh, the increase is like astronomical. It's like a geometrical, it's like a 5,000% increase in applicants. It, it, it's very formidable. Yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, when you mix horror and, and drag together, um, which is more important, being creepy or being glamorous? I don't. I think that think- depends who you ask, right? I mean, and and it really depends, like, on, and who's doing it too, because each performer brings a little bit of flair and a little bit of fire to what they bring to the stage. So someone could be, you know, creepy on tens across the board with very little glamour, and we would love that. Or someone could be just the flip of that and be, you know, glamour on tens with just a little spice of something like creepy or something that makes you uncomfortable. And and either one can fly in the house of Dragula. Mm-hmm. 
Well, uh, like you said in the uh, in the episode, uh, art is subjective. So, you know, you don't judge them on the art, which uh, which I like. Uh, I like that message. Yeah, it's it's really important, especially with drag artists like this. You you have people coming from such different points of view, right? You have like really trashy kind of punk rock drag artists. And then you have really refined, you know, presentational burlesque kind of drag artists and and just everything in between. So there's no way to really judge them fairly on just their drag because they're all so different. They just don't fit in the box. So the only way you can, you know, judge them is judging them on how they use their drag in that particular challenge. Mm -hmm. Because some of them were really gory. Which, uh, which yeah. is right up my alley. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. and a lot and of times they'll, they'll kind of run the gamut through the season. You know, whoever starts off with a glamorous look might, you know, switch to something really disgusting later on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Tristan, do you have a question? Yes, Halloween is upon us. So can you guys tease us with possible Halloween costumes for this year? Halloween costumes for us? Mm-hmm. Well, we made Halloween costumes of us that many people would be wearing this year. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you saw those custom, you know, the the masked box set, but they're out kind of like a retro throwback to those like 70s and 80s, like plastic masks. So, um, you know, that's something that we want, we've been wanting to do forever. And now that they're realized, so many of our fans like have bought them and love them. And uh, they make a special appearance, as you guys know, in the, the premiere of season four. Um, really fun stuff. Yeah. yeah, we usually have to be ourselves on Halloween. <laughs> That's what people want to see. <laughs> right. Yeah, I grew up with those masks. I, I actually used to collect those, the, the uh, plastic masks with the elastic. And when I get into my teens, I sadly threw them all away. I wish I would have kept them. But oh, yeah. yeah, they're probably worth a lot of money now. Those, especially those Ben Cooper, like original ones from the 60s. Right. They're very collectible. Yeah, because I had a lot of hand-me-down ones from my older brother, too, who was born in the 60s. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, you must have had really good ones. Yeah, The Incredible Melting Man, which was actually one of my favorites. Mm. Uh, Speaking of that, is there any, uh, because I was just thinking The Incredible Melting Man, are there any um, horror monsters or movies that you've never seen anyone do before that you always think, like, someone could really pull this off? I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I see a lot of, you know, I don't, I don't see many people dressed as like uh, horror icons, but they'll, they'll borrow certain things from them. Um, I don't think I don't think there's any I haven't seen reflected in some way, shape, or form in in one of our competitors before. Not yeah, that I, I can can't, think. Of. I can't think of one either. Honestly, like nothing like pops to mind. You know, we've been from sea monsters to kaiju to kind of universal monsters vibe, witches, werewolves. I mean, everything in between. So. I don't know. Maybe the blob. That would be interesting. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, the blob. Like, how could you even pull that off? <laughs> you could do it. I mean, you could definitely do it. It would be. It would be interesting. This, yeah, that's another one up my alley. I, I think I would like to see the blob, or maybe maybe I'll even be the blob. It's, it's, well, when I think about like, uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Burning Man. It's like this crazy festival yeah. here, and yeah, and so. Uh, I, I can picture using some of those materials that they use to build things at that festival to make a blob kind of costume that could light up and look kind of gelatinous. I bet it'd be pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to give away, you know, much of the first episode, but I have to say the the Leatherface uh, for me was was pretty wild and uh, very creative, very gory, and uh, I died. Oh, good. I'm glad yeah. you liked it. That kind of reminds me, you know, we throw the Los Angeles Halloween ball and have forever in LA. And um, one year we did kind of like an internal theme, like Drac and myself and everyone that worked, we did kind of like a, 
kind of a, a haunted farmhouse vibe with like a inbred family of like people with, you know, skin masks and everyone had like machetes and chainsaws and we all did that theme and it was so fun. So to see one of the competitors from episode one kind of do that with Leatherface, it was really cool. Yeah. Inbred hillbillies, another favorite of mine. So <laughs> getting all, all, my, all my key points. <laughs> so, Tris, do you have another question? I'd love to know what some of your favorite horror films are. God, there's so many. Um, I mean, I have a soft spot for the Halloween films if we go like kind of like standard uh, standard horror movies, but we kind of get in little moods, right? So we're kind of like in this Giallo mood right now. So we're kind of going back and watching all the like, oh, what are the first Giallo movies? And you know what I mean? So we're kind of like into that right now. Um, I don't know. We like a lot of Alfred Hitchcock movies. What do you think, Swan? I mean, we have our personal favorites. Like for me, uh, the the one that was a game changer when I saw it the first time and really kind of like rearranged my young brain was Hellraiser. Um, and it still stands up and I'm a little scared slash excited to see what they might do with like the next installment with like a woman playing Pinhead. And I think that's really exciting to kind of have that gender blender approach um, from something that we're all really familiar with. Um, Death Becomes Her is kind of like a really classic go-to that I just love, 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 love. I could never see that movie too much. Mm. And something new that I saw within the last couple of years that I really loved, and I think this one is a little controversial because people <laughs> really love the original and I love the remake, is the new Suspiria. I like it too a lot. It's a, uh, they want to really, it's a different movie because I always thought it was like a weird one to to remake because you know it's not really the movie's not about the story it's about the atmosphere but uh you know they did something really different with it yeah, yeah i did and i love it i i'm kind of into black sunday right now too like we went back and rewatched that recently and it, it's kind of it definitely stands the test of time it's very creepy so were you always a horror fans i assume yeah i i definitely have been since my earliest memory was watching horror movies yeah, I mean, for forever. I mean, but I, I think my love affair with horror really kind of stemmed from my my relationship with Halloween because I've always been obsessed since I was like a little kid and worked in haunts through like, you know, when I was in like junior high and high school and like, yeah, I always have like a, you know, a super huge imagination. So that is still one of my favorite subgenres of horror, like horror straddling the realm of fantasy. For me, that's like the sweet spot. So what was it about Halloween? being able to dress up and be, you know, be something you, that you can't be in normal life. Yeah. And I, and I always love the theater and, you know, I've been a performer since I was like a little kid, like 11 years old, you know, I started doing like performances and stuff. So, um, and I always kind of rooted for the bad guy and all of the cartoons and just was like obsessed with like the villains. So it was, it was sort of the day that I could dress up like all of my idols and uh, it wasn't weird. Yeah. For me, I thought it was interesting because, you know, especially when you're young, you see adults and they sort of have their like day to day mundane lives, especially if you live in like, you know, suburbs or outside of the city. And so to me, it was kind of magical because it was that day that everyone was a little on edge, you know, like they were open to being scared or they were open to sort of living outside of their box and like feeling a little wild and putting on like a wig or some makeup or a costume or scaring each other. And so it was like, wow, what a cool day, you know, like compared to every other day. (laughs) And now you guys made it, you know, a whole show. That's right. (laughs) Uh, A friend of the show, Mark Patton from a nightmare on Elm street part two 
Um, he always brought this up. I wanted me to tell you guys. He always said that um, that uh, the drag queens should really take over horror conventions because he said it would be the perfect blend. And he said this before years ago before uh, the show took off. But now that he saw the show, he's like, you know, it's perfect people to do it. So what do you think of that idea? You guys I mean, running should- a horror convention. We've we do a lot of horror conventions like we get booked for horror conventions and, uh, you know, we show up and do meet and greets and all that stuff and panels. And it's it's a really great time. You know, I mean, drag artists are typically pretty theatrical. So uh, and they have typically not always, but typically have pretty good elevated taste uh, in an artistic sense. So I think they can make the, <laughs> shady, the whole shady. thing. I think they can make the whole experience, you know, maybe a little more special and theatrical. It's perfect. No, it's perfect. I mean, drag by, at its base is about like illusion and entertainment and, uh, you know, delivering a fantasy and that sometimes is a dark fantasy. So I think it would be a great marriage uh, for drag queens or drag performers to be at the helm of the experience of, of, of walking into a convention and sort of being transported to another world. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you make of the rise of drag and popularity? And, and it's become more, uh, not that your show is really mainstream, but it's become more of a thing that you know, people are aware of. Well, I think, think that you know that has a lot to do with the birth of our show because i think drag was introduced in a certain way that was maybe purposely whitewashed a little bit so that mass audiences could absorb it you know or would be into it and you know of course the good thing about that is that it rises it brings the art of drag out to a bigger audience drag artists make more money it becomes more mainstream it gets more visibility but the downside of that is that the actual authentic drag experience sort of becomes a race so the drag that people are being introduced to is not necessarily an accurate representation of the drag that you see out in queer culture. And so that's why we we thought it was important for us to make Dragula in the first place, because we felt like that real sensibility was getting erased. For example, you would see lots of sort of white cis men competing in drag on TV. And so people started thinking, well, then drag is only for men, which is not the case. And it never has been, you know, the history of drag shows people from all genders participating. You have drag Kings, you have uh, non-binary drag artists and everything in between. And, and so, you know, we just felt like it was important to bring out what we felt was the authentic side of drag and show people what it was really like warts and all. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, we, we wouldn't have a great name like Sigourney uh, Beaver if it was just all men on the... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad you appreciate that because I do too. I, I heard her name the first time and I'm like, ah, I just love it. <laughs> so, yeah, I was right with you. I was... Uh, maybe sh- they should have did something with her and, and the the, Zen- the xenomorph, but... <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? You know, it's just the beginning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tristy, have another question? I'm always curious as to what scares horror creators. So I'm wondering if you have any fears or phobias you feel comfortable sharing. Or maybe not. (laughs) I'm thinking about it. The the one that you answered, I think my favorite answer of yours, because we've been asked this before. You're like, you know, I'm not scared of the supernatural or demons or possession or the end of the world or anything like this. I'm scared of like emails when I'm in production. (laughs) No, it's true. I think, I think that the business side of what we do is probably the most terrifying. And uh, yeah, so that I would say my phobia is 
every morning waking up and opening my emails and be like, what's there today? What's the new thing today that I get to deal with? What kind of giant storm do we have to like control or slash weather? Yeah, that's the downside. I think a lot of people think, well, they're drag artists and they host the show. It's so glamorous. I'm like, yes, but in all honesty, we are producers and writers and artists. And so we're very hands-on in the day-to-day operations of everything to do with our business. So it's definitely not all lipstick and glamour. That's for sure. Uh, Julie Hapney, uh, makeup effects artist, is going to be our guest uh, this Thursday. But she wanted me to tell you that um, uh, she rewatches and repeats uh, while your show while uh, she's working on creative stuff for movies it's very oh, I love to hear that oh, I That's love awesome. stuff like that yeah tell her we said hello please yeah and uh, she want to know um, do you have a particular look that holds a special place in your heart hmm I would think, I think that our, our promo look from season three is sort of iconic. It, it became like our stamped look. I feel like, I feel like that's what people most recognize us as with like, you know, the white kind of updo hair and the big, big blood necklace and the big pointy black uh, vinyl shoulders and all that. I think that blood necklace is, you know, it isn't a specific look, but it is definitely like something that we kind of branded ourselves with almost accidentally. And it became something that like, we people repeatedly saw over and over and over and then we get fan art with our heads like decapitated and blood just kind of like you know pouring out of our lopped off necks which i love and you know it (laughs) inside our story like we were setting up for a photo shoot this was like the first magazine cover we had done like i don't know four or five years ago and we were talking about well how can we accessorize this black latex dress and the hair looks so good but damn i want some some blood and it was like one of those gel um Uh, window decorations for like Halloween, you know, you can like peel them off the thing and stick them on the window. And I basically just took that and exacto bladed like the blood thing and kind of just placed it around our neck. And then the photo came out and someone who makes those out of latex was like, Oh my God, I make these necklaces. Please let me, you know, and then, you know, then now we have an array, we have huge ones and small ones and we have blood and we have black blood and green blood, orange and red. And it's like a huge, uh, you know, it's, it's a part of our, our armoire now. Yeah. Uh, Kim trails wants to know, uh, how do you come up with the devilish elimination challenges? Oh, it's kind of easy because we have so (laughs) many that we want to do. I think, (laughs) It's only limited by our budget, not only money, but time. Because a lot of times we'll be like, okay, well, we have to take this person and do this extermination tonight, you know, so we know who goes home before the next day. So um, that's what really limits us. But God, it's pretty easy to come up with. I mean, you just have to think like, what would it be fun to watch a drag (laughs) artist do? You know, it could be anything, ride a motorcycle, like get bucked off of a Bronco, get dragged by a horse. I mean, there's a million. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it would drag by a horse. It hasn't happened yet, but it should happen. And I'm just going to put it out there. It will. But when we go through our day, whatever we might be doing, like I think that Dragula is always in the back of our minds, even just a little bit. So if we see something like, oh, oh my, like that, that right there. And we'll make sure that we you know, kind of catalog that so we can look back later and say, okay, like let's th- look through our notes to see what fits where. Cause we have like a- an abundance of ideas. Yeah. I was happy to see the silver shamrock uh, uh, reference in, uh, in the end of resurrection. 
Yeah, I'm glad you, you picked up on that. And, and it seems like Halloween 3 is getting a bit of a resurgence. Like, I, I kind of see it everywhere recently. And I was like, you all hated this movie forever. You know? I say this all the time on the show. When I was a kid, like, I was the only person who liked it. Now it's, the, I think, the minority that doesn't like it. It's true, because no one liked it. I feel the same way. And, you know, the, the song was so, was so catchy and the whole concept. I mean, it was weird. But I think it got a bad rap because you know, it didn't follow up with Michael Myers, right? Mm-hmm. That's what people thought. They were, they were just disappointed that it wasn't Michael Myers making a reappearance. And so they didn't give it a chance. But now looking back on it, they're like, that's actually a pretty cool concept. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm sure you guys have seen Halloween Kills, or at least I, yeah. I assume you have already. <laughs> just that that moment where you saw the, the three masks appear again. And it was like, well, how did they get there? Who cares? It was just cool to see them. <laughs> right, yeah. So uh, Dragula, it premieres this week on Shudder. And I hope people check it out. I had a great time watching the first season and, and look for our first episode and look forward to uh, watching the rest of the, the season. Thank you oh, so thank much. Thank you. Thank you both for having us. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. From ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. <laughs> The tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming tonight! Hopefully! They're coming tonight! Hopefully! They're coming tonight! Hopefully! They're coming tonight! Hopefully! Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The tomb of Nick Cage. Oh,